0: and welcome to The Square Jar, the official podcast of the Academy of Business Communications, where we tell it like it is about corporate and employee communications and use occasionally colourful language to raise money for worthy causes. My name is Elizabeth Williams.
1: And I'm Andrew Brown. We're recording this at the very end of July in 2020. And what's happening around the world? Well, the U.S. has just recorded its 150,000th COVID death. People are rioting about masks, about systemic racism, and of course, dubious treatment options. Yet communicators are hard at work trying to make sense of the chaos for the employees in their organizations. So we thought, well, now is a good time for all of us sort of to take our noses from the grindstone and do some reflecting on, one, what we expected when we... First, we're exposed to COVID. Maybe I shouldn't say exposed to COVID. Number two, what we did. And three, what we've learned so far. So Elizabeth, why don't we start way back in early March? Which
0: seems a lifetime ago, even though it's only five months. And I thought in preparation for this, I would look at my calendar for the first Mm -hmm. week in March. And it included a meeting to discuss the food at a client's leadership offsite. I had a video shoot with a crew of five, all of us standing basically shoulder to shoulder for an entire day inside a cramped warehouse. I was working on our April and May training sessions because we were getting all kinds of people signing up for them and life was good. I was picking up tickets for the Blue Jays home opener that was happening at the end of that month. And then I clicked to the next week's calendar, and that was the week of March 16th, I think. And it's just this sea of blue, and everything in that calendar says pandemic something. Mm. It was all conference calls, because by then I was at home working in a bedroom not especially set up to be worked in. And I remember thinking at the time, COVID-19, what the hell?
1: (laughs) Oh, and what an appropriate phrase. I reflect back at that time. And as you say, we were working on the training sessions. And as COVID was coming into the news, I was expecting two different kinds of responses from organizations generally. So for highly risk-averse organizations, things like financial organizations, banks, insurance, investment companies, and those organizations that are really deeply connected to financial services, I was expecting them to have a frantic call to action to essentially develop and bank a whole bunch of communications assets. Not really take a look at their communications processes per se, but try to get their ducks in order by making sure we had some stuff we could push out. That's one type of organization response. For most organizations, I was expecting a wait and see approach. Since most organizations don't really have a disciplined approach to developing and testing crisis scenarios, I was expecting to be caught off guard and then frantically look to figure out how organizations are gonna keep employees safe and confirm that they had the means and the processes to communicate with employees. And I was expecting them to look for ways to, how do we prioritize customers and prospective customers and events? And yes, yes, employees. So that's what I was expecting.
0: Wow. Well, let's dig in a bit on those early days, March and April, because it was very weird. And I think that most of us were expecting this to be a short-lived thing like SARS, which you and I both remember, or a bad hurricane, or I was certainly working in the aftermath of 9-11. And as horrible as all of those things are, they have an end. At the end of the day, I know it's mm. going to end. And I think when we started, I remember thinking or hearing, you know, we'll work our crisis plan, and we'll send everyone home for a few weeks, and then we'll, we'll just carry on. To your point, we would focus on safety and compliance, and we would just come out the other side with some really boring stories about how we did that. So, of course... The first thing most of us did was we pulled out the crisis plan. Some of us even had a pandemic plan, thanks to Mm. the SARS outbreak. And then the second thing most of us did was throw that crisis plan out because it assumed something like a tidy little six-week sniffle Mm. instead of the, we don't really know how long, (laughs) much more serious illness. And then what happened, of course, is that most of us worked our asses off cranking out updates to information that was changing by the hour for literally weeks on end. And I know that as April finally ended, I remember thinking, I can't believe that it's already the end of April. And then at the same time, it felt like it had taken forever to get there. I think that's when it was beginning to occur to us that this might be a longer, much more complicated thing. And we were saying once again, what the hell? And and then on the other side, though, as horrifying as that was, we did learn a few things. So we learned to make decisions faster than ever. We accepted the fact that almost everything would need to be rewritten because something would change. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, touch surfaces, don't touch surfaces. I mean, it just changed every, every 10 minutes. I think communicators did a good job in helping our leaders understand their role, the leader's role, in building trust. I think we focused on engaging those frontline managers to be our listening posts and to be our emissaries of key messages, even the ones that changed every 10 minutes. But I think we also started to learn that contrary to the Facebook memes, we were not and are not all in this together. There are the workers like us who went home, changed into our sweatpants and didn't go out for two months. Then there are the workers who just got sent home without a job to wait things out. And of course, the ones who had to come in, the nurses, the warehouse workers, the sanitation workers, the healthcare workers. There is going to be, I think, a long-term them and us problem long after this is all over. So I think the communicators peered into and across chasms in the workforce that we had been previously able to ignore. What do you think?
1: Oh, I think that's really insightful. Them and us, dynamic happens throughout the organization. And this is a new one. As you describe it, the the thing that screams out is the amount of uncertainty and the fear that was running rampant through organizations. And without an endpoint, human beings kind of panic a little when there isn't that endpoint that's at least able to see. We've seen it when it comes to any kind of organizational change, right? When there's a merger, when there is a rollout of a scary new technology. Of course, now, scary means something very different, but those have endpoints, and they're not as scary anymore as a pandemic. Like you, I I think that communicators, our fearless communicators out there listening, did a pretty good job. If you reflect on a recent poll by Leger, and the Institute for Public Relations, that study showed that well over half of employees thought their companies and CEOs were doing a good or excellent job communicating. That's really something. You know, and we noted at the time that communications professionals were finally getting a little respect. We saw that in April. To reinforce that again, Edelman, you know, the folks who, that do an annual trust survey that spans the globe did a poll that showed people look to their employers as a more trusted source of pandemic information than the media or the government, which I think is astonishing. So listeners, kudos to all employee communications professionals who've been working to strengthen that emotional bond between their organizations and their employees. Yay yay us. Yay us, exactly. But then... May and June. And of course, by then we'd kind of gotten ourselves into that mindset that sure, you know what, we'll flatten the curve. <laughs> yeah, We're looking at opening up workplaces and economies in June and July. There's going to be a new normal. Woo-hoo! We were looking forward to chilling a little, you know, relaxing, uh, letting our guard down, ideally doing some reflection and then getting up with things and have that new business as usual. But... Boy, have we been surprised. Once again, what the hell? So we put our noses back to the grindstone and we kept on talking. We sent out videos about conference calls and we created productivity tip sheets and had virtual yoga sessions. We pushed the latest info about masks, no masks, physical distancing, sanitizer, and an evolving set of symptoms. We tried to enable those overworked middle managers and execs to do more communications and sometimes I'd argue maybe a little too much communications. We did build some new platforms, branded this scary time pretty well and we worked our asses off. But then if a pandemic wasn't scary enough, the killing of George Floyd ignites a focus on racism and diversity. And quite frankly, employees are not taking no for an answer from their employers. And I think we're catching wind right now that the people who went home in early March were not the same people who were reading our updates in late May. Remember we were saying earlier before about that divide? Yeah. I think that there's a very stressed, very frightened very isolated group. And practically speaking, they're not about finding out about hand washing. They want to know that the world is intending. They want reassurance. They want to know that their employer cares about their well being and that the information they need to do their work is available. I agree. And I think we
0: kind of missed on that one because as much as we had that very encouraging study you just quoted, we were just looking at one that came out from Gallup that shows a big decline from mid-May to mid-June in how well Mm. employers communicated their plans of action. It dropped from 54% of employees saying that they understood the plan to 41%. And that's in a month. That's a nine point drop in how well prepared employees and managers felt to do their job and in the organization's concern for their well-being, That's huge, like what the hell? And I think what we're hearing is that it signals that communicators and leaders missed a shift in sentiment along the way. Mm. So we stumbled into summer expecting to have a bit of breathing room. We were gonna finish up the return to work strategy. We were gonna have a much clearer idea of when and how things were going to roll out for the rest of the year. Our economies, depending on where you were, were starting to sputter to life. But as of today, here at the end of July, that's not really happening, especially in the United States. Experts are saying there's going to be a second and a third wave likely. Of course, flu season and its friend hurricane season yeah. are just around the corner if you're in North America. And again, what the hell? You know, what else could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I do think certainly that communicators should be taking the time to do some serious evaluating of what worked and didn't in their organizations. Particularly, they should be measuring workforce sentiment and also lived experience to get to those people who are at home and frightened. I saw a stat recently, more than half of the people who are working from home are, are dealing with anxiety and depression more than they did before they were sent home. Mm-hmm. So I I think we need to be really measuring the heck out of sentiment and experience. And we should be using that data and the experience of the workforce to make the case to invest in the platforms and resources that we need. I think we have a very brief period right now where we're kind of rock stars because we worked our asses off for four (laughs) straight months. And I personally probably wrote over 100,000 words in the four months, most of it starting and ending with wash your hands. Um, but, but I think we have this little time in the limelight, but we also know in most organizations, the budget cuts are coming. Mm-hmm. The larger organizations that could weather the storm sort of sat back for the second quarter, but now I'm hearing over and over again, Q3, the knives are out. And guess who usually gets cut first? Communicators. And I think that we really need to make sure we stand firm in the limelight and go, yeah, not here, not now, not us. We're far too important to have that cut. And the way we prevent that is to measure the hell out of everything. Right. And I think when we think about what we're learning now, so what, what is the summer teaching us? I think it's teaching us that there is no normal, new or otherwise, that leaders are fatigued. I'm certainly seeing that in in many of our client organizations. These leaders who have been doing an outstanding job, most of them, leading organizations, making sense out of something that's fundamentally nonsensical, and helping people feel safe and feel trust, you can see they're starting to flag. They're really starting to buckle under the pressure. So we've got fatigued leaders. We've got terrified employees.
1: Mm.
0: And I think as communicators, this is where we need to shut up and listen really, really hard. And we have a whole podcast, by the way, called Shut Up and Listen, in case you're wondering how to shut up and listen. We should be focusing our messages on reassurance and support more than on straight data. Mm -hmm. And we should be assuming that the remote work is about to be a permanent feature of our workforce. And that means we need to figure out how to communicate with those folks and also with their managers.
1: Oh, lots of disruption, but also true. I amplify what you were saying about uh, shut up. Listen, I really think you've painted a picture of what the current landscape is. And we do need to address that elephant in the room, that chasm between salaried folks in their bathrobes and people working the front lines for a little money at high risk. And that's a new fault line that's never been as prominent as it is now. Plus, we need to get on that diversity and inclusion messaging because, again, like it or not, that discussion is not going away. And I would argue it shouldn't go away.
0: No, I don't think it should. It it felt a bit like a luxury talking about diversity and inclusion when this started. And then the killing of George Floyd and, and other people and just the surfacing of a number of really appalling racist acts and racist mm. systems has brought this roaring back at a time when we don't really have the capacity to deal with it, but we must. And then the whole them and us thing, I actually had a virtual coffee with a buddy who's in HR at one of the big hospitals. And she said, she was there during SARS, and she said for years following SARS, there was this kind of club of heroes. So the doctors and the nurses and the technicians who were in every day, many of whom got very, very sick, and the sort of posh people who got to go home or stay in other parts of the hospital and and not contract the disease. So it's years of work to get past that.
1: Yeah. And there's some strength that's created when such groups are formed, right? There is an emotional bond to one another, and I would say to the organization as well. But when there are such distinct lines, you can also set up that competing mentality. So those strong formations have both pros and cons.
0: Right, and and you're right. They're primarily existing fault lines. They're always there, but a a crisis shines a very bright light into those fault lines, and in many Mm. cases, it drives them apart. That's probably another podcast is, if that is you and you've got a them and us level workforce, Let's see if we can figure out ways to help you communicate your way out of that.
1: That is Uh, another podcast.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. So let's summarize what we've learned since March. We've learned that building trust is the CEO's biggest and most important job, pandemic or not. We've learned that other executives also need to build trust in the organization. We've learned that communicators need to listen very carefully for shifts in workforce sentiment and in workforce focus we need to do a better job of understanding what employees expect us to be telling them about we need to build in the time to reflect even when we're crushing 16-hour days it's just a good management practice to reflect on what we did we certainly need to keep fighting for more resources we need to not let ourselves be pushed back to the sidelines from where we are now we've certainly learned that there's no such thing as normal anymore and that there is this growing chasm we just discussed in many workforces between frontline and remote workers we learned that frontline managers need a lot more tools to support our communications we need to measure the ass off everything and fight like hell to keep asking questions we need i think to acknowledge the mental health impacts of the pandemic and i think communicators never really think about mental health I was Mm. reflecting on that the other day is I've put together a bajillion change plans. And I've certainly in putting together stakeholder analysis, you say, yeah, well, this group is going to be concerned. And this group's going to be resistant. This group's going to be a little afraid and this group's going to lose their jobs, but we don't really think about the long-term, almost chronic anxiety and stress that something like this can create in the workforce. So I think we need to start including that as we analyze audiences. And I think the, Big thing we've got to do right now is we need to document this stuff for the next time because that pandemic plan that hit the garbage pail on day two of this, somebody really thought was great following SARS. And so I think that we have a lot of lessons we're learning and we better write them down before we forget.
1: That's an amazing summary and lots of actionable items there. Thank you for summarizing that because I couldn't have done as good a job as that. At this point, you know. Why don't we take a moment and remind listeners of the exclusive benefits they have as listeners of the swear jar. So, for instance, you can save 10% on all our online workshops. And of course, we have our most popular workshop, Employee Change Communications That Work. And we've also launched some 90-minute workshops for $99. For instance, one workshop helps you make sense of the quagmire that is online employee reviews. Another workshop helps you measure employee communications so that you're a rock star when your supervisor asks you, what sort of impact is employee communications having? And you can also be a rock star with the executives. And that 90-minute workshop is also $99, and you get that 10% discount on all those courses. So that's one. You can also save 5% off all group facilitation courses offered through Facilitation First. And you can save up to 10% on tools and services for improving your skills at developing corporate stories at leadwithastory.com. Yeah, so
0: I'm really excited about some of the content we're putting together for the fall. Those 90-minute workshops are fun, and they're a great way to take a little bit of a break from the grind without Actually, not being a good communicator. So, thank you for that. So, just before we go, let's talk about what we're reading and watching and listening to. What are you paying attention to this week?
1: You know what? John Ronson. He's a reporter and author, and he wrote this wonderful book called Dem, where he spent some time with the most extreme fringes. Of society. So he spent time in the KKK. He spent time with the insane clown posse. Every extreme group that you can think of around the globe, he spent some time. And he isn't trying to convert them, he's trying to understand them. And, and some of the stuff there is a little frightening. It's always amusing and entertaining and sometimes genuinely insightful. So, John Ronson them
0: great and we'll put a link to that in our show notes uh we'll also have a link to what i'm looking at which is from one of my very favorite communicators shell holtz mm. you know shell and shell has been around uh, a fixture at iabc for as long as i've been a fixture at iabc mm. i've actually had the pleasure of being on a panel with him and he run, writes just a wonderful blog and we'll put a link, and he's on the For Immediate Release podcast, and he's just an standing communicator, and he has put together what I think is one of the best models I've ever seen for employee communication. In fact, it's probably one of the only models I've ever seen Mm -hmm. for employee communication, and it is absolutely brilliant, and we'll share it, of course, on our show notes, but it's a wonderful thing if you were trying to help an executive or someone who's never thought about employee communications to understand it, and it's sort of um, there's a Venn diagram of four with culture, engagement, employee experience, and customer experience, and the nexus of all those things is news and content, and you know the pressures of crisis and change and advocacy and commitment are reflected, and then around this there are the channels, alignment, listening, consultation and branding, all sort of surrounding it, and then running like a ribbon through it is is measurement. And it's a really wonderful explanation, infographic of what it is that we do, but more important, the impact that we have on Mm. the entire organization. So it's not just about employees, it's also about customers, and it's also about the overall brand. And it's a really nifty look at what we do. And I'm still kind of exploring it, but we'll certainly put it on the on the show notes. And I would recommend anybody spend some time with it and do follow Shell's blog because he's really a a smart, smart guy.
1: That's great. Yeah. Look forward to seeing that. I'm not familiar with that one. I've got a Shell Holtz book on my shelf. Over the years, I've referred to several times. That's great. I'll, I'll definitely take a look at that model. That's it for us. Thank you everyone for joining if you liked this episode of The Swear Journey, do us a favor and leave a rating or better yet, subscribe.
0: And you can check out the show notes and resources at the theacademyofbusinesscommunications.com. A special thank you to Peter Linsman, our audio editor, and to Simon Gladstone, who helps with our website. And we'll see you next time.
1: Bye now.